And please welcome to the stage Gus and Rick for the shit show. In a world where best laid plans go astray, there are two separate but equally important groups those who create history with their stupidity and the shit show podcast that covers them. These are their stories. Yeah, we just stuck spare with us. We're trying. <laughs> it's, it's a literal shit show playing out in real time. What the fuck am I meant to do with this? Just shut up and do it. Right. <laughs> okay. Very funny, Craig. Very fucking funny, mate. Don't fix the mics. Stitch us up. Uh, welcome to Shit Show. Just broken a chair. Right. This is <laughs> literally right. Craig has booby trapped the whole fucking stage. My chair's broken. The mics are all fucked. Also, uh, I've just spent the last couple of days wine tasting <laughs> in the Barossa Valley, and I'll tell you what, it is indeed the whitest shit on the planet. So, uh, I mean, the only whiter things are like owning a mortar and pestle if you're not a wizard. <laughs> Or like uh, <laughs> having a Mumford and Sons album. <laughs> but like wine tasting is, it's the most white. The most white thing. It's up there, isn't it? With poke bowls, all that shit that's happening at the moment. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't have those. I have fewer <laughs> meats because I'm going to die early, as my wife tells me. We, we probably should. We, yeah. Sorry. Let's start again. Thanks. So much to Craig Quartermain. Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, Craig Quartermain. Really, we really shat the bed on that. It's it's, you know what? I, uh, it was funny when he was doing his bit about the, the Northern Beaches because he's literally wearing the Avalon uniform. <laughs> the fucking navy, navy shirt with the white stripes, the chinos. Always helpful information if you want to infiltrate a pack of c***s. So, that's... Fix that in post. Uh, yes, welcome to Shit Show. <laughs> Your weekly podcast that covers the best laid plans of mice and men that go terribly awry. I mean, you were going to do the intros, but then you said uh, the yeah. word cunt, so I had well, to jump in. They, yeah, you, <laughs> you were reaching for the bleep button. That's fine. Uh, that, that is exactly what this podcast is. And uh, I guess before we get started, because we've been in a room and we haven't been talking because we've been so full of nervous energy back there, running and shadow boxing and shit, how was your week? How was my week? Yeah. Good. Really good. As I, as I said, I was in the uh, Barossa Valley for my wife's 30th. She turned 30 in September. <laughs> for anyone that is uh, with a long-term partner, they know it's a fucking festival. Anything with a zero on the end of it takes about six months to play out. So <laughs> it's we... my birthday year. <laughs> so we went there. It's, she's still partying. Yeah. <laughs> she, was, she was just belted on the plane. She's like, woo <laughs> Like you and we are an economy. <laughs> Need to calm right the fuck down. Um, Not even an exit row. It's a fucking birthday. Oh come on, mate. <laughs> you are fucked, mate. I'm setting you up to fail. Thank you. As as per usual. True friends stab you at the front. This guy. Uh, so yeah. So I have the segments this week. You do. So no, it's cool. I didn't want to talk about my week either. Fine. No, did you... Anyway, here are the segments, uh, I guess. It's episode 29 of season one, and we are already not having fun. Don't touch, don't, don't touch my computer. <laughs> so, 
you make it dirty. Right, so my week, by the way, <laughs> was good. It was very voluminous beer-wise. Um, I also, out. one of the widest things you can do is have a big vocabulary. You're just dropping that on the crowd, aren't you? Well, don't, no need to be so loquacious. I... <laughs> Look, my, my, I had, had, had a big... Uh, you, you're giving me that look where you're just like, oh, you motherfucker. Was, that's, that's, that's all I do this for. Um, no, it was, a, it was a big week. I, I was actually worried, though, because I woke up yesterday morning. Yesterday was my, my Christmas party. I, for those uh, people that know me, I work for a brewery full-time because this pays literally zero money. Um, I have to pay to be here. So. And for those people who don't know Rig, uh, he will tell you. I'll He'll tell, fucking you. tell yeah. you that he works it's at a brewery. It's like fucking veganism and CrossFit. The first thing I'll talk to you about is how I work for a brewery. Um, but we were up there and uh, it, was, it was a big week. But I woke up yesterday morning uh, before the plane and I woke up at like 5am. Classic sort of men's health scenario where you're just like, holy shit. I had stabbing pains in this section of my torso from like there to there. And I was just like, that's the said, bad like it's, it's, it's all about the, the, the two ends of the spectrum, I feel, with men's health. It's just like, one is just like, fuck, stabbing pains, I'm going to die, there's something really wrong here, it's my kidneys, it's my liver, it's all of the above, it's literally, you're going through the motions, and then it goes away after two minutes, and you're like, I'm fine, I don't need to see a doctor, that's, that's completely fine. But I teed up that ominous bass shit to come in while he was talking about his major organs. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, I mean you are you are fucked. I would change your diet I, immediately. Man, I yeah, I'm not I'm not having a great day. Uh, I think the audience can attest. I look, smell, and feel awful, and uh, I feel like I'm an affront to all five senses of every audience member in the room. So you're wearing pants this week, though. So last week we did the first um, the first live show, and Rick has rocked up looking like he's about to do a bunch of carpentry. He's just got like king jeans, shorts, yeah, sitting on stage in direct eye line of basically my entire family. <laughs> Who sat in the front row? As I'm, po- and, and then I'm positive that he wasn't wearing underpants. But it's basically just one of those things where his legs and my mother's eyes were at exactly the same level, and she That's already. That's why she wasn't laughing. She already. <laughs> oh, she was laughing, but <laughs> she refers to the show as shit thing. And <laughs> when I asked her what she thought of the show, she was like. It's good to see you doing so well. I'm like, that's not a review. That's <laughs> at, just at you least, supporting at le- me. At least you're having fun doing what you're doing. No, yeah. I, I, I'm glad I did wear pants this week. I, the Cheno shorts and the white shirt combo last week looked like I jumped out of the pages of something called Tintin's Adventures with Wampa Stomper. <laughs> I was just was looking pretty fucking worse for wear. So, but there it is. So what, what we should we probably the should lovely, we lovely people have come here to. Or just talk shit. Um, so, uh, we are going to get underway with the first of our segments tonight is the Trainwreck Trophy. Gus has gone away and he's found the best train wrecks in the world of news this week by using the tried and true method of putting train wreck into Google News. What have you got for us this week, buddy? Because the winner is going to walk home with the train wreck Trophy. Yes, not actually because we have no budget. But and, figuratively. something a bit fun, if you don't mind, is... We're not going to decide on the trophy winner for Trainwreck Trophy this week. You guys are. So you guys... Yep, it's a democracy. A thinly veiled democracy. It's, this is North Korea, this podcast. It's the democracy where two people do all the talking and everyone else listens and doesn't really get a vote. Exactly. And there are only 12 kinds of haircuts allowed. So that's... This is one of them. 
All right, so, Trainwreck Trophy, what do you got for us this week, bud? All right, the first one. The headline is, YouTube prankster cements his own head inside a microwave for clicks. (laughs) Firefighters in central England were left seriously unimpressed after a YouTube video stunt went horrifically wrong. A Wolverhampton-based prankster had his friends cement his head inside a microwave oven on Thursday afternoon, according to authorities. His pals fed an air tube into the device so he could breathe and covered his face with a plastic bag. But after spending almost 90 minutes desperately trying to free the man from the appliance, his friends finally called on fire crews to deal with their consequences. At least they hadn't switched the device on, is what the, is what, is what the article says. But if you're like me and you're envisioning this, and I encourage everybody yeah. listening in post and also the live audience... It just uh, looks to... like a budget fucking Optimus Prime. It does. It's, it's big square head. So his head goes through the door. And for anyone that's ever owned a microwave in the history of the planet, you cannot operate a fucking microwave with the door open. So I don't understand how this was ever going to work with it being plugged on. But basically, five firefighters rock up. They deal with this for a sum total of seven hours. Oh, fuck. So this guy, and this is where it gets funny as fuck. You've got to see pictures of this guy, and he literally does look like shitbox Optimus Prime. He's, <laughs> like, he's standing there. You can see his hands, and he's got a fucking microwave head. <laughs> it, it is the pinnacle. That's got to go up on the Twitter feed. It's amazing. So the reason he was doing it was because he wanted to make a cement mould of his own face. How is that involved with a fucking microwave? I'm still putting all the pieces together. Well, I'm like fucking Russell Crowe in a beautiful mind trying to scribble on the fucking windows trying to figure out how the fuck this is all working. So it would help if I told you the YouTube channel that he's from. It's called TGF Bro. Which... Uh, anything with bro in the title, you've already... Fuck, I've, I've got a direction. Yep. Yeah. It's inside you. It is. It's gone back in. escaped into my body cavity. So, uh, so, yeah, he was... They were trying to film this thing where he pulls the microwave off his head and it's like DIY... Uh, face moulds which was going to get fuck all clicks like this this has to be one of those I, I, things I, I, where I, I, I think it's pretty rich for us to be talking about a fuckload of clicks or lack thereof so I'm, I'm just I've looked at TGF bro I've been a long time subscriber and Jesus, I think that I feel so bad for you thank you their, their stuff is, uh, is not good but this is definitely the most clicks I've ever got because they in a massive moment of opportunism posted the video of them getting rescued by the fire brigade as their video, it's already ticking over 25 million, million clicks. So that's yeah. their entire shit show. Um, the second one. I just, before we go on to the next one, right? Nothing shits me more than those YouTube pranksters because it's almost like, it's like a psych moment at the end. And my favourite video of all time, some of you might have seen it, is there's this thing and it's based in Sydney, this YouTube prankster. And they're in like Australia Square, you know, where like uh, Ryan's Bar and stuff is in the city on George Street. And... This guy um, goes in there and kind of pretends to rob, like, mug a woman. And this dude comes out of nowhere and fucking clocks him in the face, destroys his nose. And the guy goes, no, bro, it's a prank, it's a prank, it's a prank. And he's bleeding everywhere. And I am laughing so hard. I'm just like, you fucking deserve that shit. How do you just... I mean, how does that... I feel like it's a new world order where it's one of those things where it's like you could literally, literally murder someone and be like, it was a joke. It's fine. It's fine. It's, 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 I'm, I'm part of fucking dick bro videos and it's a fucking YouTube prank. Nailed you. Cool. Well, I mean, that's Rick's favourite video of all time. 
is a guy getting his face caved in at Ryan's Bar, which is commonly known for uh, lawyer fuckboys who are having after-workers. <laughs> Trainwreck trophy number two. Yes. A man who sat on a gun that was left on his car seat accidentally shot himself in the penis. Yes! <laughs> yes! It's an all-time week. Raise the roof. <laughs> Police in the American state of Florida say the 38-year-old man named by local media as Cedric Jelks. And They're you know all- you've fucked up when they name you. <laughs> When they name you in the news, you have fucked up. It's always... You are guilty. It's always Florida. It's always <laughs> Florida. Have you guys seen there's a Twitter feed called Florida Man where they collect fucking bizarre articles like this, like that one of the homeless guy who lived under the bridge, got oh, yeah. high on bath salts and ate another dude's face. And uh, they just literally collect all of these fucking links and it's just like... Florida man, like he's a fucking superhero that just does dumb shit all the time. It has to be. I yeah. suggest you look it up. It's, it's all the one bloke. So anyway, so Florida man gets into his Nissan Altima on Friday Florida morning. Florida man. When the horrifying accident occurred. So the gun was on the driver's seat. Jelks was sitting on it, uh, likely caused it to fire, sending a bullet into his crutch. He then burst into a stranger's house in a panic and rushed to a woman's bathroom where he told her... He'd shot himself in the penis. And you can imagine how well that went. (laughs) She called the police immediately, who rushed Jelks to Jacksonville Memorial Hospital where he underwent surgery. Uh, So here's the thing. He's a convicted felon. He's got nine counts of of drug possession and petty theft. So after shooting himself... A real winner. Exactly. After shooting himself in the dick, he is going back to prison for an illegal possession of a firearm. (laughs) So the, so the cops waited for the end of the surgery. They just went fantastic. I mean, obviously, they didn't reattach his penis. They just sort of, I guess, like, corked it. Just, like, <laughs> capped the end of it. So... I don't know much about anatomy. <laughs> but I imagine... You literally that... had a go at me last week being like, do you know how a penis works? That's Do fair. you know how a penis works? I know how a working penis works. But well, I don't know how a penis that's just been shot with a firearm well, is, is... It's going to be part of my new switched. YouTube prank video. <laughs> uh, I'm looking for a new partner. If anybody is Never looking... said anything about my dick. All right. Well, <laughs> I'm definitely looking for a new partner. Um, anyway, so this bloke's going to face charges related to the gun. Uh, and you can only imagine how well that's going to go when he goes back into prison because from all the very limited knowledge that I have of prison as a white man who went to a private school, (laughs) I imagine that what happens is that if you have shot your dick off with a gun, you are getting a real hard time. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And by hard time, I mean a hard time. That would be totally awful, though, walking in there. It's like, what'd you do, man? I, uh... I murdered some guy, man. This is what I did. And then when people find out, it's yeah. just like... Why'd you lie Oh, fucking Cheddar Bob over here shot his dick off. <laughs> Fuck. You know, caught. That would be really weird at the end of that day being like... He must have felt like, ah, oh, nuts. I can't catch a break. And people are like, you have nine outstanding warrants, you <laughs> fucking weirdo. God. Yeah. So the third Trainwreck Trophy nominee... Couple crashes car into tree while having sex on highway with baby in back seat. <laughs> so when, so when I first read oh, this, oh wow, I was expecting to read a really fucked up story about how a couple were in the back seat having sex with a baby while a car was on the highway. <laughs> but it's not that; it's the couple were in the front seat. 
they're having sex. The baby's in the back seat. Yeah, duh. Yeah. Someone's, I've well, not heard duh in about fucking yeah. ten years. Yeah, fantastic. Th- thank you to the uh, the fifty five year old man trapped in a twenty year old woman's body. <laughs> so. Anyway, a couple in Washington State has sustained multiple injuries. Don't fucking kill me. I will, <laughs> I will leave out that exit. Not really. Um, has sustained multiple injuries after crashing their car into a tree while having sex, police said. The man was drunk and the woman was sitting on top of him engaging in sexual activity while they navigated a local highway. Both were naked. The man failed to negotiate the curves in the road and struck a tree with his car. The woman broke her pelvis. Oh, Fuck. And the, and the man broke his wrist. Uh, <laughs> uh, sex tape? Is that what it is? Sex tape? Okay. We'll just move on. <laughs> just as a general heckling rule, you've got to yell it loud enough for us to hear. Because <laughs> we'll hear it in post and we'll just put it in. But if we can't hear it, we can't respond. Uh, their three-month-old child, properly restrained in a car seat in the back, was uninjured but fucking scarred when he finds out about this. <laughs> like, like, like physically uninjured but mentally beyond repair. Um, so witnesses told police they saw the couple, both in their early 20s, exit the vehicle naked, then the cops rocked up. Uh, the Yeah. So Jesus the bloke Christ. has gone straight to jail. Uh, woman's been admitted to hospital. It's unclear whether charges will be brought against her. Uh, authority's not announced. For what? Being good at multitasking? <laughs> oh. I. Uh, She's trying to help him. I got somewhere to be. We, let's knock this one out. Well, take. <laughs> got to take little fucking Braden to daycare. <laughs> well, in the classic moment of it takes a village, uh, the child is no longer with parents. He's yeah, being, well. He's, he's being raised by a local AA foundation, but. Um, <laughs> So, a study of college students conducted by researchers at University of South Dakota found 33% of men and 9% of women had engaged in sexual activity while driving, as in intercourse while driving. So, my question is, what the fuck is wrong with the 9% of women who engaged in that? Because the 33% of blokes, you're a college student, every single college student, if a woman says, yeah, okay, is going to do that. But the 9% of women need to get their heads checked. But basically, none of those students surveyed had crashed their cars as a result. They used this survey in court to this guy's face. What? As, as the prosecution. They just said, here's a survey we did about people your age. You're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Bang. Get sentenced to three years. Three years? That's three years prison for being wow. drunk and having sex. I feel it's one of those things where it's like, well... If having a good time is a crime, then lock me away. We will. Three years. Three years. <laughs> <laughs> All but right. It, yeah, I mean, the, see, that's a, that's a full-on DUI story. But I think as long as a DUI... Uh, and don't get me wrong, I'm not encouraging people to drink and drive. But drinking is great and driving is great. Uh, but when they come together, as long as no one, uh, no one dies uh, or gets hurt, then sometimes you end up with stories that are farcical like this. Yeah. But... Had a mate who literally had too many wines at his uh, in-laws' place. Jumped in his car. Uh, he and his uh, his wife at the time going back to their place, which is just around the corner. Got done by a uh, by a cop car, and he is over the limit enough that uh, he's gotten into the back of the paddy wagon. And for some reason, didn't have his phone. Just thought, I've read that if you eat something, it will lower your blood alcohol level. 
and he didn't have any food, the only thing that he had with him was his clothes and a pair of thongs. What? So when the policeman opened the back of the paddy wagon, he was halfway through consuming a fucking Haviana. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is not bullshit. <laughs> Can, what? The, some of the ladies in the front row are like, yeah, we know who that was. <laughs> Yeah. Jesus Christ. Well, that's heavy. So, do you want to let the good people give give them a bit of a recap so that they can vote? Absolutely. You, you absolutely made a meal out of this last week. Oh no. Okay. So, when don't make different sounds. Just we'll just count them out, and then you yell at the numerical point. Last week he got up and he was like, "Okay, uh, if the if you liked number one, then say woozle wazzle. <laughs> if you." For number two, say banana rama, and everyone's just going, blah, 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 just like yelling at you. It's like, beer yes. chow was it's, one of them. Someone shouted. Exactly. Out. Thank you, Luke. It's, our, it's, 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 it's the, the homegrown meme from this podcast. I love it. Good. Glad I could provide you with some fucking entertainment. All right. <laughs> Trainwreck Trophy nominee number one, microwave head cemented. Trainwreck Trophy number two, man shoots himself in penis. Trainwreck Trophy number three, sex act car crash with toddler in backseat. Where are you going to go from here? You just read them all out and people are eagerly listening. How are you going to... Here we go. Make some noise for number one. Make some noise for number two. Make some noise for number three. Okay, well, three's out, but just like the House of Reps, I have no fucking idea what happened between one and two. (laughs) So if we could get everybody that wants one to go to this side of the room... (laughs) Kidding. All right, uh, let's do that one more time. One. Yeah. Two. Yeah. It goes to one. Yes. Budget Optimus Prime. <laughs> yes. Love it. Which means that uh, the microwave head receives the train wreck trophy for this week. Cue the music if we can. Train wreck. Train wreck. Train wreck. Trophy. So shit. Yeah. Right, so... That was not our best work. No, not at all. Uh, I think every time I listen to it, I'm like, we gotta, we got to redo that. Um, so we are about to move on to the people's segment, yes. the one that you all know and love, yes. Poo's in the News. A yes. lot of fans here. lot of fans here. What about the woman who's just cheered and is leaving as fast as humanly possible? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I love... Oh, fuck, uh, I'll see you in time eight minutes. Um, Sponsored by the Oxford Arts Factory Toilets. <laughs> who's in the news? <laughs> you in Darlinghurst and need to shit? Oxford Arts. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to conduct... Because I hate this segment. I fucking hate this segment. I really hate it. I don't it. know if the people knew that already. Well, they, I'm just reiterating... I. This is the worst segment that you've ever... Pre- this is the worst thing you've done. Your mum um, last week was frowning actively last week when this was on. It's, well, if, if my mother is frowning, how do you think I feel? It's like it's, <laughs> she's only heard it once. She hadn't heard the podcast. She just came under full duress from my dad. <laughs> um, so we're going to do what's called a plebiscite, which is you guys, <laughs> you guys are going to vote. It's... It's, yes. <laughs> it is going to cost $122 million. Um, you guys are going to vote on whether you think that this segment, and it's in your hands, whether you think this segment should be around for season two. Okay? So everyone that thinks that it should be around for season two, say I. Anyone that doesn't want it around, say no. 
Me. <laughs> Who keeps saying that? Are you guys that? fucking kidding? On it, People no, have spoken. Fuck, I love you, North Korea. <laughs> and your 12 haircuts. I'm not kidding that I hate... The fuck it. All right. All right. Here we go. Poos yes. in the news. Agreed. I will it, get over it. It is... <laughs> There was a lady that said that. Like, I know. Drink some fucking concrete, Gus. It's it's the, it's the it same up, one. It's the same one that I called out earlier in the show. I am not going to have a good time. <laughs> I could already tell. So, knowing that it's locked in for season two, we are going to jump in to who's in the news. You've gone away and you have found stories about public defecation, of which there are fucking numerous amount. There's a lot, a lot out there. Too many. Uh, and you've waded through those, and you're going to present the best. That you found. Why don't you tell the lovely people what you have found? Alrighty. We are in the United States of America. A college dorm is being ravaged by a mysterious pooper who's been leaving droppings in the washing machines. Dro- <laughs> droppings. Yeah, like dro- he's an animal. Like well, he's a- he is an animal, isn't he? He's <laughs> shitting in the fucking washing machine. I have, I have questions that I'll save till the end about the... Uh, the mechanics of how this happened. But <laughs> residents of we, Abbott... We created some 3D models to try to figure out. Here's a small doll that we brought. Residents of Abbott Hall at Southern Illinois University are avoiding doing a load of laundry for fear that someone will drop their own personal load into their wash. <laughs> at least eight students have taken their clothes out of the washer to discover traces of poo on their clothes. The faecal fiend has left residents <laughs> terrified... <laughs> Oh, I love the alliteration. Yep. Good from the Riverfront Times. Uh, has left <laughs> residents terrified of doing laundry. Sophomore Kaya Ransom said, I was really upset about it. I love you. I love you pronouncing stuff. Go Thank on. You. Of the eight cases, only one official report was filed. However, in each incident, the feces was stuck in the rubber lining of the washing machine. Oh, fuck. Some students speculate. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> Some students speculate the pooper might be striking when residents take too long to get their clothes out of the washers as a public service announcement. <laughs> Which like is it's, it's literally it's it's like the hacker group anonymous, but it, yeah. it's, it's it's like you know what the rules are. <laughs> Some dude just like takes <laughs> off his belt. Timing yeah. you like a fucking parking ranger. If that was the case, you'd definitely know who it was because it's the guy who is only wearing easy access pants, wearing one of those fucking Guy Fawkes masks <laughs> in the laundry. Um, there's also no cameras in the laundry room to catch the perpetrator for privacy reasons. I don't know what the fuck's happening in their college laundry room, but <laughs> it, it's, it's not... Only in toilets can you not have cameras by law. So oh. that's, I guess, the other part of this. Um, so last week, freshman Brian Pillar fell victim to the bowel movement bandit. Ah, yes. Bang! Riverfront Times! (laughs) I went down into the laundry room to wash my clothes and I opened one of the washers and noticed it smelt like shit. Calls it like he sees him, old Brian. Riverfront Times just loves (laughs) making a a couple of uh, poo-related anecdotes but at the same time doesn't want anything to do with actual journalism. (laughs) Um, So basically the university comes out and says... Uh, we are investigating this, but we have zero leads, and as of now, the mad pooper is still at large. So good. That's, that's, where, it, that's where it's at. So physically, how does that work? Um, front, front loader? Hard. Yeah, well, yeah. Like, <laughs> really hard. Like, especially to go that's undetected. Like, that's like a kid stuck in a tyre swing. Like, <laughs> ass out first. 
Alles. It's it's incredible. Well, they're both really good. And then you feed her off the floor, aren't they? Exactly. Yeah. Or I have to go and do some independent research. <laughs> no one do public laundry for at least three weeks. <laughs> Rig is going to be researching how to shoot in washing machines. Um, yeah, so that's. Uh, Poos in the news. Can't wait for a whole other season of it. So we're going to move on to the next. Well, it, it, I mean, I think this. I know, I know that you've always said that this is the true people segment. I think it. I think it actually is. In, in all fairness, it's the it's one star reservoir. One star reservoir is a segment that we do where we get the best in parentheses worst one star reviews that we could find on the internet and regale you with them. And what we always do to kick this off is playing another one of our homegrown certified one hundred percent free range stings. Play the music. I wanna take you to a one star I wanna take you to a one star I wanna take you to a one star One star reservoir Wow! Yeah, that's us playing all the instruments, promise <laughs> Def- Definitely copyright free <laughs> So you, you've gone uh, to pretty much every site in which something can be reviewed a, a product, a hotel, a car, literally a book, anything sure. A trip Yep. Uh, with Uber, uh, and you've come back with the most amazing one-star reviews you can find. What have you got for us, bud? Cool. So the first one, back to our roots. It is a UK hotel. Oh, yes. On arrival, we were greeted by a full car park. Once entering the hotel, a man that resembled an alien asked us for three pounds <laughs> for the car park. <laughs> when we told him that we didn't have a car, and even if we did, the car park is full, he responded, but you walked through the car park. <laughs> We were then escorted to our room in the garden area. As we passed the kitchen, we looked inside to see that the chef was wearing a plastic bag on his head instead of a net or chef's hat. (laughs) Upon entering the room, we were immediately struck by a stale-slash-damp smell. The carpet was dirty-slash-mouldy, and the headboards and blinds had bloodstains on them. (laughs) Why? We have done so many of these, and they're always in UK hotels. It's like... Blood on the headboard. I'm like, what kind of aggressive sex is happening in the UK? It's a mission. It's like, it's like it follows. You're just smearing the headboard. <laughs> we had a great night. Uh, however, the real, however, the real crime scene was the bathroom. I counted four spiders in the first five seconds. Shit. The shag pile toilet mat stank. There was what looked like pubic hair on everything, including the ceiling. And the, f- <laughs> and the floor moved when I walked on it. Later, I tried to have a shower. There was insufficient water pressure, so I had to crouch down in the bath to be able to obtain some light sprinkling of water (laughs) in order to wash myself. This is when I noticed a hole in the bathroom wall. It was around... (laughs) Oh, no! It was a round hole about a foot off the ground. Oh, shit! And when I bent down to look where the hole went, I could see into the neighbouring room's bathroom. Oh, fuck. I can only imagine the absolute horrors that have occurred in this room. (laughs) (laughs) The final straw was when we discovered that the toilet wasn't actually fixed to the floor like some kind of cunning booby trap for the weary contortionist defecator. (laughs) Never again, avoid at all costs, one star. So good. I love that. It'd be really funny if people thought that was actually part of the service, like the guy in the next room's like... Yeah, your uh, your hole in the bathroom has been covered up. I just wanted to <laughs> just wanted to make sure everything's fine. If you could check on that, that'd be great. <laughs> so the second one, an Airbnb in uh, Manhattan. 
I own an apartment in Chelsea which is recently renovated and fully furnished professionally. So you can already tell this guy is a total fuckwit. Yeah. <laughs> As I travel a lot for work, I was convinced to put my apartment on Airbnb by a friend. I'd been Airbnb my apartment for about six months when I was contacted by a man named David in his 30s who had a lot of positive reviews who told me he was looking for a place for his in-laws to stay while I attended a wedding in Manhattan. David arrived and picked up the keys in the afternoon. We exchanged pleasantries and then I headed out to dinner ahead of going to the airport to catch a midnight flight. Fortunately or unfortunately, depending on your perspective, I popped back to the apartment to get my luggage as well as check in on David's in-laws and see if there was anything I could do to make their stay more comfortable. When I exited the lift to my floor, I saw my apartment door open and a number of people in the corridor outside. Turns out the building management had just arrived to investigate a series of noise complaints they'd received from my neighbours. The scene inside the apartment was nothing short of a circus. It turns out that my apartment had been rented with the sole purpose of holding a raunchy soiree involving plus-size women that I later discovered was advertised online as Turn It Up Part 2 The Panty Raid. (laughs) This advertisement included my address. There were dozens of people in my apartment in various stages of undress, including one large woman wearing a lycra cow suit that had holes cut out for her breasts and groin. Wow. I had to call 911 and have these triple X freak fest people removed from my apartment. My super is having me evicted by my landlord and I do not feel safe here anymore since hundreds of people got a text saying there's a triple X sex fest in my apartment (laughs) and and continue weeks later showing up, according to the doorman who I'll never be able to look in the face again. (laughs) David caused over $24,000 in damage in three and a half hours. I'm still trying to recoup the costs from Airbnb. Oh, my God. That is brutal. So, you say people were rocking up weeks after. Yeah. Like, I'm, um, I'm here for the big girl fuck fest. I, was, I don't know if was, I've missed That was it. three weeks ago, man. <laughs> fuck. Yeah. He's all about the panty raid. All right. <laughs> so, the third one. Very short and sweet. Motel 6 Hollywood. A friend of mine died in one of the rooms here in May. <laughs> Try to pick a place that at least doesn't feel like somebody died in your room. That's the whole fucking review. Oh, my God. <laughs> Imagine having a friend that was that cold that they went, okay, well, uh, like, Michelle died in here, but you know what? You know who needs to know? People that might stay in this motel. <laughs> Don't worry about how she died or why she died. She died here. No one should stay in this hotel. I love that it was one star. Imagine if she actually went on reviewing it like a serious review. Like, <laughs> my friend Michelle died in here. Service was great, though. Uh, check in... <laughs> Check-in was really good. Very, very expedient. Got in the room. Very large mini fridge. Like, but she watch, died. Watched three movies, paid for one. Uh, <laughs> they decided to give me two movies off because, again, Michelle, Michelle died, died in, in the, the room. In the, so. in the room. So that is the last uh, one-star reservoir. Yes, beautiful. Which means that it moves us to the meatier portion. With the tea. The plat de jour. <laughs> Uh, which Rig has this week. I've never heard this before, uh, same as he's never heard the segments. Uh, What do you got for us? Right, ladies and gentlemen. The year is 1944 and the end of World War II is near. In the Pacific Theatre, a group of Japanese soldiers is deployed to Lubang Island in the Philippines with directives to repel and sabotage Allied forces. They are told to fight the last man. No surrender and no suicide. In this platoon is a man by the name of Hiro Onoda. Onoda is an intelligence officer from a small fishing village in western Japan. He becomes a central figure to this story because what happens is that in February of 1945, American troops 
breeze through the Philippines like it's fucking nothing. In, yeah. out, thanks for coming. Sure. Literally the story of my life. One night. Most of, most of the Japanese stationed on Lubang are either killed in the fighting or surrender. But homeboy Onoda remembers his orders, no surrender, no suicide. By this point, every other Japanese uh, person is, is, is dead or has surrendered. There are only four left on this island. What the fuck? Private Yuichi Akatsu. Corporal Shoichi Shimura. Private First Class Kinshichi Kozuka. Okay, it's to lucky. Translate this in, to translate this into Gus, that is Yuichi Akatsu. <laughs> Shoichi Shimada. And Kinshichi Kazuka rhymes with bazooka. Look at this fuckhead who eats sashimi and just knows how to talk to the chefs when he walks in. He's just rapping fresh with them, but just yelling these four fucks' names at them as he walks into a sashimi restaurant. Uh, so the, 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 four of, the four of these guys, they flee into the, into the jungles of Lubang and continue to make life hard for the Americans that are trying to restore order to the region. Now, as we know, in August, on August 6th and, and, and 9th of 1945, atomic bombs were, were dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki and the war officially ends on August 15th, 1945. You know who doesn't know that? Hiro Onoda and his merry band of fuckwits. <laughs> they remain in the jungles of Lubang even after the Americans have left. They start burning farmers' crops, engaging in shootouts with police and repelling every search party sent out to draw them out. Hold on. What? Oh, yeah. It's either, no, you're saying this. Have, have I missed a bit of the movie? No. What, 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 what have you missed? They're fighting police? They, they, they've started to fight police because all the Americans have gone. In October of 1945... <laughs> That's not an answer to my question. <laughs> in October of 1945... Okay. Two months since the war ended, this ragtag bunch of idiots... Uh, they're killing a farmer's cow. <laughs> Try to get your milk and cheese now, you <laughs> fucking farmer scum. <laughs> and they find a leaflet that has been left by the islanders that read that reads, the war ended on August 15. Come down from the mountains. Can you imagine what a concerted effort it would have been to do a fly drop for these four fuckwits? Yeah. Mate. Wait. Wait. <laughs> So they see this leaflet. Anoda takes a look at the leaflet and he studies it very carefully. He stares into the weary eyes of his fellow men, men who have essentially, essentially put their country before their own lives, men who would love to head back to the country and be reunited with those that they love most. Anoda takes it all in and he breathes deeply and he goes... Classic Germans. Fuck, look how shit this propaganda is. That shit ain't real. Let's go burn that rice crop. <laughs> And so, good, they go on. (laughs) Hiding in the jungle, destroying farmers' livelihoods, stealing, shooting locals and the police force on the reg. In (laughs) December of 1945, four months since the war ended, a plane load of flyers are dropped into the jungles of Lubang. It was a surrender order written by General Tomoyuki Yamashita, a.k.a. Tomoyuki Yamashita. You're the worst. Once for you, buddy. Thanks, mate. Quote, quote, Onoda's group looked very closely... <laughs> we hit a nerve that last time, right. 
Quote, that's the same chick who left to go take a shit during Who's <laughs> the News. So I want that very clear. It's like one of those things where you hear water running and you're like, I need to take a piss. <laughs> like Who's in the News came, she was just like, oh, yep, off I go. I have been eating a lot of bread. Um, so, quote, quote, Onoda's group looked very closely at the leaflet to determine whether it was genuine and decided it was not. Fuck! These guys are in the jungle. In the Philippines, they're eating bugs every fucking day. No changes of clothes, no electricity, decades away from PlayStation 1. As an aside, (laughs) as an aside, I'm so blown away that some of the largest explosions to ever occur in human history happened just over the pond and it seems not to have registered with anyone. Like, Like, not even one of them had a conversation about the possibility that it could have been quite significant. Not one of the troops had a conversation with a noter like... Hey, hero, mate, I uh, just want to pick your brain for a sec. Um, hey, remember a few months ago, like right before we found that first flyer, we heard uh, those two big fuck-off bangs? Yep. And he's gone, uh, maybe, uh, not, not too sure. When, when, sorry, when do you reckon this was? Yeah, it was like a week before the flyer. Uh, the ground shook, the sky went crimson. Uh, there's a giant mushroom cloud. Do you, you remember that? Yeah, kind of, not really. No, yeah, and then you pissed blood for four days uh, and everyone was vomiting. Uh, Oh, yeah, I think it's kind of coming back to me. Yeah, do you reckon that could have been the end of the war that that was going on about the... Like, it it went all quiet after that, eh? And he's just like, "Uh, yeah, I guess so. Hand me some more fucking cicadas for brunch. Like, it's... I just can't believe that those two huge events couldn't... Because it, it was a fucking big thing. It was like one of those things where it was heard... You read about the explosions and then, like, they could be heard over, you know, 1,500 kilometres away or, or whatever the fuck it was. It was, like, that significant. Well, look, I am not a geography man. How I far... Never, I never said you were. I just wanted to correct you. To correct this, me from what? I never said point, that. You have often said, Gus the geography man. i <laughs> Off air before we came on, you were like, "Look, I'm glad that you have geography covered." <laughs> when, when how? We were, <laughs> how you doing, Mister Geography Man? You ready for tonight's live show? I hate it. It's my worst <laughs> nickname. Um, but how far is it from Hiroshima to the Philippines? That's a great question. Because I, I think it's a fair way. I don't fucking know. What? It, it, yeah, <laughs> it literally could be a live thing. Can someone, s- can someone, someone literally look, look up. Someone look up. Because I'm shit at my job. How far the Philippines is away from Japan? We'll wait. Great. Thanks, Luke. Just while, just while you're taking care of that. Uh, what else I mean, has been going on? Look, if, uh, if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, the Twitter is shitshowcast. This is a, this is a great organic native advertising. I it think. is. We're just going mm. to roll it straight in. The flights. All right, we're going to roll forward. We're going to move forward. Luke, Luke just booked a one-way ticket to fucking Manila. To Manila, yeah, right. Okay, here we go. Don't don't go there, mate. It's <laughs> it is uh, it is rough. Let's head back to Lubang Island. In September 1949. Yes. How far away is it? Of course, I couldn't hear it rig. You idiots, too far away. <laughs> I don't think you know anything about sound travel. Now, you know me. <laughs> you know me as a sound travel guy. I'm big yeah. into it. Yes. You, call me, you call me ST guy for short. I do. Uh, and, we, and we rap fresh about how things travel. The, ST, the STI guy. Yeah. It's for, <laughs> for the cheap seats. Uh, you, you, got, you, you, got, you, you actually got to have sex to get one of those. So that's, uh, 
<laughs> so anyway, in September 1949, four years since the war ended, Private Yuchi Akatsu walks away from the group and after spending six months alone, surrenders to Filipino forces in 1950, to which I assume Anoda shouted the Japanese equivalent of, Oh, you're a fucking dog, mate! <laughs> Can't believe you're dogging the boys. <laughs> Shit effort. Uh... After Akatsu's surrender, Anoda tells the others that it may pose a security risk because Akatsu might give away their location because he's a fucking dog and hates to party. Um, so they, <laughs> so they, decide, they decide to be even more cautious or paranoid, depending on how you're reading into this. Sure. Potato, no, potato. Yeah. None of the local constabulary can nail these guys down. Several parties were sent out and whenever Anoda's group stumbled upon one, they would ambush and kill people. So... There's still casualties of this war in 1949, four years after the war ended. The Filipinos, understandably, are getting real fucking shitty with this. Uh, they asked the Japanese to come up with another plan. In 1952, seven years after the war ended, letters and photos from the families of the troops themselves are dropped from aircraft into the jungle. Anoda reads words from his wife his brother and friends, urging him to surrender because the war is over and the world has moved on. He thinks about the woman and the life he's left behind, people who have made his life so much better purely by being in it, people that he loves more than anything. The other troops finish reading their own heartfelt letters and Anoda stands up before them, letter in hand, and a smile on his face and says, Well, I'll tell you what, fellas, these guys, uh, these guys are nothing if not persistent. Uh, anyway, they used the wrong <laughs> Japanese character for my name, so it's obviously a fucking fake. Chuck it in the pile. And then I assume they chucked it in a giant fucking leaflet pile Just a- that had been accumulating for the last fucking seven years. In 1954, nine years, nine years after the war has ended... Corporal Shimada is killed by one of the search party uh, search parties when they try to ambush it. Only Private Kozuka and Onoda remain. In 1972, what? 27 what years after the war ended, Kozuka is killed by local police while burning a farmer's rice. Fucking classic. <laughs> Fucking classic. Onoda is alone. Highlander, there can only be one. He has now been at war for over half his life. Japan, now experiencing a post-war resurgence, is fascinated by Onoda. He's almost taken on like a myth-like quality. Yeah. People are telling their kids about it like he's the goddamn tooth fairy, except instead of taking teeth and leaving money, he's killing people and burning rice rice. in an imaginary war. But besides that, exactly like the tooth fairy. Yeah. Anoda's life has, has captured the, the, the public imagination. Even if people don't know if he's actually alive or not, people think it's legitimately like a myth or a legend. That is until a young hippie by the name of Norio Suzuki, or Norio Suzuki, goes to find out. Suzuki is a fucking weird unit. He, uh, he's <laughs> his aim in life at this point is to find, quote, Lieutenant Onoda, a panda, and the abominable snowman. In that order. <laughs> that's, that's his bucket list. Mate, he's... Everyone else is like, yeah, I want to be able to jump out of a plane. I want to learn an instrument. I want to be able to I go scuba diving. He's like, yeah. I'm going to catch these three things and two of them are probably not real. Yeah, exactly. And you, and... P- you pick which two are bullshit yeah. as well. The Japanese are like, the abominable snowman is fucking real, but he... this other bullshit... <laughs> He's, 
look, it's fair to say, look, he's a couple of fries short of a Happy Meal, this kid. He's just... He has no idea how he's going to find a nota. Remember, search parties have been scouring the jungle and have happened upon them every now and then because their location keeps changing. Um, so they, they, there were these people who were part of the search parties They were actually like, like trained trackers and navigators trying to find them. This guy's just some hippie kid. So Suzuki comes up with a plan. He heads over to Lubang Island, walked into the jungle and shouted, Anoda, where you at? And found him in four days. And Sometimes all the, all the, the simplest <laughs> method is the most effective. And that little boy only ever wanted a friend. <laughs> the, the now 52-year-old Anoda in his tattered military clothes goes to shoot him on sight before Suzuki yells, Anoda-san, the emperor and the people of Japan are worried about you. They then enjoy a bunch of experiences best expressed as a montage with Queens, you're my best friend, rolling <laughs> over the top of it. Walks in the jungle, arms locked. Yeah. I just assumed that that's how it played out in my head anyway. Sure. I, I bet Anoda's got great chat after spending most of his life alone in a jungle. Yeah. He, he is really a sociable. A lot of things to talk about. So what happens after this is that they spend a few days together and Suzuki takes a photo of them together, proof that, that Anoda is in fact alive, and it's a fucking great photo too. It's, they're snapped together and Suzuki is grinning like a schoolboy while like holding Anoda's rifle. That's not a metaphor. He's like, it's so... <laughs> This whole thing is like, oh my god, he's like a fucking kid in a museum. It's so good, we have to put it up on the Twitter feed. But Suzuki shows this photo to the army and relays what Anoda told him in their many DMs that they had in oh, the but, jungle. But he, he brings Anoda back, right? He brings Anoda back to Japan. Yeah, okay. The guy will not surrender unless his commanding officer from the war officially relieves him of his duty in person. The guy's dead, right? In 1974, 29 years after the war has ended. Major Yoshimi Taniguchi, who is now an old fart who runs a bookstore, <laughs> goes over there in full military livery, which he probably has not worn in like 50 years, uh, goes in there and he orders Anoda to surrender. And so he does so and he receives a presidential pardon for the 30 innocent people he murdered. Oh, uh, Rig. <laughs> yes, Gus. <laughs> How the fuck did he get a presidential pardon? Uh, mate. I, I, because those aren't war crimes, but, but they're, they're just murder. Yeah, because yeah, the war's over. Yeah. It's just Just pure, 30 counts of him pure, being batshit pure, pure murder, and he comes out of the thing, and then the president goes, ah, you'll be right. We've all, we've all made mistakes. <laughs> you made that mistake 30 times. So he returns to Japan. Yep. After coming out of the jungle and people are fucking gobsmacked he's like a celebrity like here is this actual relic from a bygone age he's never seen a TV or a microwave or a microwave on someone's head cemented yeah or or a barcode or a CD or a computer or a Playstation 1 because they haven't been invented yet he's like the old bloke from Shawshank Redemption like when he comes out and he's just but the other thing is, is that he sees when he's in Japan is that it's become not only a lot more technologically advanced, but Japan's also become a lot more Western, uh, westernised in this time. He sees it as an erosion of traditional Japanese values. Unlike the old bloke from Shawshank, though, he doesn't hang himself. Uh, he, he goes, fuck it, I'm going to Brazil. And so he goes there and he raises cattle for five years. Fucking millennials do that now and it's now just finding <laughs> yourself and it's... 
Uh, this guy was he, was... he was an OG. But he's... Yeah, he's a celebrity in Japan. He returns to Tokyo after five years of raising cattle in Brazil. He goes back in 1980 and sets up a bunch of survival schools. Oh, Bear Grill style. Perfect. Imparting knowledge to young boys based on his experiences in the jungle. Can you imagine him standing up and them going, great, so uh, what are your credentials? I lived alone in the jungle for 27 <laughs> years after the war was done. I killed 30 people and I didn't go to prison. And they're like, I'll drink my own piss for you. I'll, <laughs> I'll do whatever the fuck you tell me to do. It's the most badass shit I've ever heard. It's, it's so good. It's like... He, he revisits Lubang Island in 1996, which would have been amazing because relatives of the people he killed were protesting. You can just imagine him showing people around, like just walking back and be like, mm, yeah. this is where I would sleep at night. I made a rudimentary shack made of palms and fronds. You fucking killed my dad! <laughs> yes, yes, hello, hello. And uh, we'd take shits in that hole over there and <laughs> use the excrement as compost. My son! <laughs> Yells from the crowd. Uh, but on 16th of January 2014, Hiro Onoda died of heart failure in, in Tokyo at 91 years of age. He had spent almost a third of his entire life in that jungle fighting a war that had been over for 99% of the time he was there. <laughs> As a bonus happy ending, just to cap it all off, do you want to hear what happened to our good mate, Norio Suzuki, Mr. Fucking I Want to Find the Lieutenant, a Panda and a Yeti. Absolutely. <laughs> Froze to death in 1986 in the Himalayas. <laughs> trying to find the abominable snowman. <laughs> Keep reaching for the stars, player. That is, that is full on. Great work, mate. That is Thanks, fucking mate. huge. That's Give it a up story. That's a story. So uh, that's pretty much all we've got time for. Um, our, our manager, Luke, uh, has insisted on booking fucking Skrillex next to us for all of these live shows, <laughs> and he's about to drop we all s- of his drugs for the year. <laughs> we, so. said we, we said we always wanted to be on brand with shit shows. <laughs> Put the loudest, fucking most intrusive music you can and book it on the nights that we're performing. Just to start right as we start. Um, but thank you so much for coming. Thank you guys so much. It means, it means a lot to the both of us. So uh, if you want to follow us, you can download the cast on iTunes or you can find us on Twitter at ShitshowCast. Uh, we've got our last episode for the season next week. Christmas special. Christmas, Christmas special. Christmas special. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm going to spend our time off in between season one and season two explaining to Rig that the old guy from Shawshank is Morgan Freeman. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> Thank you guys.